0: Voices of VR Podcast. Hello, my name is Ken Pai, and welcome to the Voices of VR Podcast. It's a podcast that looks at the future of spatial computing. You can support the podcast at patreon.com slash VR. So this is episode number 7 of 12 of looking at different interviews from MetaConnect, unpacking all the different news and buzz from the event. Today's episode is with Hugh Ho and Keelu Turner. They are both... VR filmmakers and Hugh is a YouTuber who has sort of got into teaching other creators how to Monetize and make money on the platform. And then he himself started to actually make content where he's reviewing different 360 video cameras. If you have any question around what kind of camera you might need, then there's a ton of different resources that Hugh has on his channel. Highly recommend checking it out. And he's also producing films on YouTube, but he recommends folks go actually check out his programs on Meta's platform on the MetaQuest TV. He's got a whole Metaverse stage, he's also got different stuff he's producing under his name, and then collaborating a lot with Keely Turner, who's also a VR filmmaker, making content for both Stereo 180, as well as with 360 video. And so Yeah, I think this is something where generally it's probably pretty overlooked in the broader XR community where there's not a lot of discussion or news of what's happening on the MetaQuest TV. A lot of folks are most more focused on the interactive portion, but I know there's been interviews in the past where John Carmack would say that around half of the time that folks are spending on the VR headsets were in some of these more like watching videos or with more passive content, a little bit less active. And so I think as I go to different film festivals around the world there's certainly a lot of folks that are still pushing forward the medium of virtual reality storytelling immersive storytelling and both active and more 360 180 platforms and there's also a whole more nascent ecosystem i'd say with abilities to create and distribute some of this different 360 180 content and both you and keely are on on the front end of where that current ecosystem is i'd say that One of the conclusions is that the distribution channels are still a little bit fraught, especially for folks just getting into it. So there's a a lot of like reflective tips and tricks that they both have for other folks if they want to start to get a leg hold into this portion of the industry. And as the Apple Vision Pro is starting to come out as well, there is certainly a lot of focus for folks watching more passive content. I know Tim Cook has said that he watched like the entirety of the third season of Ted Lasso on Apple Vision Pro. They were highlighting different things like watching 3D videos, like Avatar in Apple Vision Pro, and then also with the phones being able to do spatial capture of memories and be able to rewatch them in the context of the Apple Vision Pro. So the Apple Vision Pro is able to actually capture some stereo content and then also on the phones, which I have a little bit of questions around because the IPD is not necessarily like... The correct length for some of the different lenses that are being advertised for the different types of captures that are happening. So I think the parallax is going to be somewhat off when it comes to just looking at the scale of it, just by what I've seen, I haven't had a chance to have my eyes on some of the different content that's produced there, but you ideally want to have the IPD length, like an average IPD length of the different dual lenses in order to capture something that's like truly stereoscopic. So anyway, whatever Apple is doing, that's going to be a portion of what their strategy is, is to include more of this type of immersive content. So I wanted to get a little bit more context from both you and Keeley about that, but also just the broader ecosystem of distribution and their journeys into becoming VR filmmakers. So that's what we're coming on today's episode of the Voices of VR podcast. So this interview with Hugh and Healy happened on Thursday, September twenty eighth, twenty twenty three, at Meta Connect at Meta's headquarters in Menlo Park, California. So with that, let's go ahead and dive right in.
1: My name is Hugh Ho. I'm a YouTuber. I focus on VR filmmaking. My goal is to teach everybody to pick up a VR camera and create content in the metaverse, not just for Meta, but for any headset, head mount display, the virtual world focus on an aspect of filmmaking. So my job is to try to inspire filmmakers to make film tell story immersively.
2: Hi, my name is Keely Turner and I am a VR filmmaker. And I'm so inspired to inspire other people, the audience who watches my VR films in the metaverse, to think about the world in a different way and to bring them to beautiful places in the world that they might not be able to go themselves physically. So I like to bring people, I like to say teleport people to other places in the world.
1: I want to take out what she just said. So i am been known for the camera, got a review camera, but also we create original content on Meta. I have a path called Metaverse Stage, and then other channel is just my name. So we travel around the world and film that in VR, capture in immersive video format since seven years ago. So it's been like seven or eight years. and then. Some of the comments we saw is very inspiring. Like I saw people like comment on it and say, thank you so much for capturing this place. I'm in my death bed right now and I don't think I have much time left, but I saw your content, I cried in the headset. Thank you so much for doing that. So like comment like this and experience like this really inspire us to keep going. To tell our unique story around the world immersively and bring people there, that is what the motivation drive me to create content, and also want to teach the same technique we use to other creators so they can capture their part of the world to tell a story. Right,
0: and yeah, maybe you could give a bit more context as to your background and your journey into working with VR and three sixty video.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so my background, I'm a traditional filmmakers. Before have my own channel, I kind of have a company that white label work for YouTube. So we create like training video for creators how to make money from their craft. Since that project with YouTube, I get the chance to travel around the world to meet creators around the world. In Japan, in Korea, in Australia, in India, two cities in India, Mumbai and New Delhi, UK. So I got really inspired by other creators, how their successful story. And then inspire inspired me to become a creator. And then it started around eight years ago. And as a content creator and filmmakers, even eight years ago, the 2D world is really crowded. So in order to stand out, I think I need to find a new format to do it. And that is when DK1, actually before DK1, just came out for Meta. And also YouTube VR just launched. Bucky, but just launched. So we actually have a platform to post. So I start, get my first ever VR camera, which is duct tape GoPros, put together. And then later on, I get the Nikon key mission, and then move on from Insta. So I get all the consumer VR and professional VR camera. Start to telling story with different generation, and that learning my own mistake, and then share it on the internet freely.
2: Yeah, and so how I got into VR was I was living in Asheville, North Carolina where I grew up and there were a couple of startups dabbling into the space of VR in 2017 and I kind of tagged along. My friend brought me in. At first I was working in stage lighting design and my friend from stage lighting design was like, hey, you want to try out VR? And so this startup company at the time had bought outright and Nokia OZO, which is like this old camera that, you know, I wasn't part of the GoPro days where you would duct tape GoPros together. We had the Nokia OZO and we took it all over. First we started out with concerts and we filmed Oregon Eclipse that happened one time in Oregon and it was really fun putting that big camera onto the stage. And then after Oregon Eclipse we took it to the Grand Tetons and Yellowstone and captured nature and things like that. It was really fun to do that and then after that I worked with another startup from Asheville ironically and we got to travel all over the country and one of the big jobs that I got to experience was working at Red Rocks Amphitheater outside of Denver, Colorado and that was such an amazing experience. That was my first time at Red Rocks and I always heard about this legendary venue and to capture that in VR and to direct a team of other crew members and we had like four Insta360 Pros at the time on the stage. That was really fun. We were capturing widespread panic. I'm not a huge which white spread predict- but it was really fun to be there and to feel the vibe of the crowd and to see that interaction between the crowd and the lead singer and to capture that in VR and at the time it was a full moon so you could see the bright full moon and it was just such an outer body experience watching it back. I had never felt that before and with VR when you capture yourself it's really like an outer body experience so that's how I got into VR and I love it I moved to LA and I met Hugh Ho and he shot my first VR film called In Tandem and since then we've been working together on so many projects I helped him with his VR course at the time and so it's been a really fun journey.
0: And What were you doing before you got into VR?
2: Well, I kind of just graduated college. Uh, Two years after I graduated, I got into VR, so I was pretty new to the space. I did take some courses for filmmaking, and I learned all of the production side of things. Because in college, I actually learned post-production first, and my degree is in new media. And I got that at UNC Asheville, and that was really fun. And then I, I was yearning for more information on production. And I fell in love with production. I learned the ALEX Reds and Black Magics, and what a C stand was, and all of that. So it was really fun.
0: Awesome. So yeah, maybe talk a bit about the different phases of how you make sense of your career in 360 video, because I know that there's, you know, when YouTube came on and made the possibility to even upload the 360 video, that was a huge new opportunity to be able to start to explore this. But then you also have platforms like Meta having things like Oculus TV, and there was a funding of a lot of different immersive content there for a while, maybe pulled back a little bit now at this point, as far as I can tell. But yeah, I'd just love to hear a little bit for each of you as you go through these different chapters of your career based upon how the ecosystem of distribution has been evolving and still, I'd say isn't necessarily like as well-known and used in the broader XR industry. So there's a lot of capabilities that are maybe flying underneath the radar still, even like what YouTube can even do. But yeah, I'd love to hear just like your own journey and how you see how this ecosystem has been evolving.
1: Nice. So I definitely love to actually use your platform to promote the idea of XR filmmaking. Because as you said, it's still a niche within the niche. I mean, meta itself, like, like VR itself, or metaverse itself, is a niche. And then we are in that niche of a niche. So uh, most people get a VR headset. They think about playing Beat Saber, playing VR game for kids. But that's a very narrow idea for the general public. Understand about VR, which is hard. Like it's hard to change that because like if you look at YouTube, like the most famous reviewer YouTuber, they review VR game. They talk about gaming. Game got viewership. Like filmmaking is an art that require decent college education, money, work. And then the distribution is not really there. And also we are kind of fighting against, we, we are from Hollywood. We have kind of like, Hollywood think our, we are a competition. But well, Hollywood think YouTube's a competition. And then we are even more competition because we are we're in YouTube and do stuff on meta. So let's pull back, like distribution. So it's gonna be always be tough for us. So even though we've been in a space for the past, I've been in the space for the past 10 years, growing, it's hard because distribution is not there, still not there. Think about how people can really watch immersive content is MetaQuest TV, which is the highest quality, YouTube VR, and then some obscure platform that I would not recommend anybody to invest because there's no audience base there and there's no like, legit monetization model there, neither. They just gotta take your content, take your IPs, right? So you bend your finger, there's not much distribution. It's coming like Apple Vision Pro is coming, so hopefully that will be a big platform for us, but, but nobody knows. And right now, really legit platform-wise, is YouTube VR, which is not a good quality platform. I'm sorry YouTube, but yeah, they need to up their, their resolution. And then Meta, which require a headset. YouTube VR actually also requires a headset. You need PSVR too, or you need a Steam setup to really watch the content. So to survive as a creator, as like influencer, like it, this day of life is all about like numbers which is to us as a storyteller it's kind of sad things because like every younger generation addicted to tiktok so you have to like the storytelling structure is that you have to grab the attention in the first one second not two seconds first one second something flashy some sound effects or whatnot you do something crazy to get the attention and then the platform like tiktok or instagram reel. We'll validate you for the next three seconds and then we'll push your content through the algorithm. All these like BS, right? All the math, all the thing that to get people to watch more content from the platform perspective, great, good for them, right? From a storytelling perspective, that does not work. Think about how we tell story. We surround in the campfire, we're a little bit of liquor up or whatever they use in the old time. We sit there and there's a wise old man or wise person or man or lady, right? If someone would tell an engaging story, but it starts slow, they build the three-act structure, they hook you in, they do all that. And then those stories usually being passed down from generation. We still hear those stories from our grandparents, from our grandparents, grandparents. That's culture thing that like really raw connection with story is kind of disappear because of social media. Well, I don't say social media, because of fast content, well, let's say fast content. And you see like major Hollywood movie become that way as well, look at Spider-Man. The fast cutting is just like watching a TikTok video from Spider-Man. It's one of the major watch movies recently. Like, a lot of movies like that now, Hollywood adopting the format for storytelling because they want to attract younger generation. So as a storyteller, it's very tough to tell a good story. But we found that VR like, is the only exceptional case that makes it possible because when you put on a VR headset, you are committed to the story. Socially, it's really weird You just take them off, unless it's horrible right? like you just really don't like it. But you at least give it good five minutes to sink in the story. And then in VR, we can really sing the story, if you're a good storyteller, we sing the story, we can really tell the story and have a great impact. I mean, why we tell story? We wanna impact people emotionally. We wanna change something, maybe change their thought about thing they do, maybe like saving the environment or whatnot, like any idea, any idea. We wanna like change people's mindset through story, and I feel like that as a VR storyteller, we see more success. We get higher quality content pushing into people's brain than anything we ever create. Yes, we don't have the number, we don't have the following, we don't have the growth margin. We talk to brand and say, you guys don't even distribution figure it out. I mean, why will you we pay you guys? My defense is like, yes, we are not about numbers. We are about quantity. If you spend the money, we spend the time, we tell a great story. People watch it, we guess it. But good luck for your three-second ad on TikTok. People just scroll through it. So I know, like, I'm not sure like, I've just got the tension right there. I'm not sure I answered your, your question there. Yeah, so. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, the, Yeah. just I'd love to hear any thoughts or reactions you have to that.
2: Yeah, so my thoughts, piggyback on what Hugh said, you know, Within Meta, they even forget themselves that VR filmmaking is a thing. And honestly, it's a huge market potential that they could tap into that they're not. I understand that a lot of business, a lot of money is coming from the gaming community, but I also believe there's a huge untapped market for filmmakers to create VR films, Either it's 3DOF or 6DOF, 3DOF being a bit more passive, 6DOF a little bit more interaction but not so much as like a game. I think that's the future of filmmaking um, in this world of, of this metaverse VR experience. You can literally teleport your audience to a scene that the character is in and there's so many different ways to tell a story whether it's fly on the wall choose your own adventure or the audience member is a character in your film that you create as a vr filmmaker so i think there's a lot of potential in telling stories and captivating that filmmaking audience, those people who love to watch movies, TV shows, who just want to watch something and feel very immersed with their favorite actor or actress in the story. I think that's a really cool place to tell stories in VR, to immerse the audience into the story. And then I also want to talk about the ethics involved. Your brain really can't understand the difference between your memories in the real world versus VR memories. Even myself like I almost feel like I have these memories that I've made these films and it's, I mean it's, you feel, it's very visceral is all I can say and so with that comes a really big responsibility to create something that you feel like you need to tell that story because this moment will really be ingrained into the the viewers' audience. So I think that for me, you know, I bring intention to every story that I create in VR because I understand the high impact it has on the audience.
0: Yeah, the the original question was around distribution, but I wanted to take on what you said and kind of work backwards. Because I just recently was at Venice Immersive and had a chance to talk to Ryan Genji-Thomas, who is a creative XR producer at Meta, who's worked on a lot of the animation projects, but also funding quill animation projects. And one of the comments he said to me was that there's this difference between buying an app on the App Store versus going to like what is essentially like a TV and going into a model of TV where everything's for free, you don't pay for anything, and you just watch it. But that has created this ecosystem where, if it's an interactive app, you can pay for it. But if it's a passive 360 video where none of your agency is changing how the film plays out, certainly there can be ways that your body's reacting to things. But you can't express agency to interact with it. And so as Meta was trying to cut back Anything that wasn't generating any revenue was essentially on the chopping block to be cut. Which Ryan Ginji Thomas is an animation producer, funded over thirty different Quill animations, and then basically stopped and pivoted into going into Horizon Worlds. So, I'd love to get a little bit of an update as to if there was like a golden era of getting funding from Meta, or if this kind of like stopped, or your take of that story. Yeah,
1: it's, it's not even Meta. Let's take Meta out of it. Let's the ecosystem. But this Meta, there's Pico to HTC, there's Apple, there's Google, there's, like there's all these companies. So, it's distribution focus on audience. Look at the demographic right now, people who watch VR. Gamer, male, kid, like young generation, mostly male and mostly, you know, the gamer generation, right? So it's a very lopsided, one-sided audience. And why this happened? is because a platform like that generates product to feed this loop of audience cycles. They are not expanding. They ignore the entire distribution channel like female. People love story, love passive storytelling. Apple is the only one as a company, I'm not like chilling the horn on Apple, but they're the only one really care about it with an like, expensive hazard coming in. For the audience, they call it spatial computing, right? It's for people who just want to relax, enjoy a good piece of content. And everybody have Netflix, you grab like anybody, they have Netflix, they have Hulu, they have multiple services. That's how they entertain themselves, the good piece of story. We just ignore the population. And there's money to be made. If you can make a headset that a girl will wear without worry about her makeup and her hairstyle, that will make money. Which is, Meta is like Ray-Ban. I'm like sitting right in front of the May-Ban and Meta. Like that is the initiative. They're pushing that direction. To circle back, like the Meta funding cutting is, I don't think they are too in it to see a bigger picture because we're kind of outside. The filmmaking world is a multi-million industry. I mean, yes, it's expensive to get in, but the payback can be also huge. Again, require collab, let's also pick like Apple's example, they probably Disney to launch their initiative, which is a big launch, Disney, all the IPs, but Meta have the creators. There's a lot of creators can tell great story and move them from Instagram platform into Meta platform. And those creator, I mean, I'm creator myself, I know how much money they can make with their audience. And those audience, have the potential to enjoy percentage of them can enjoy long form content in VR, it's possible. I think that if we invest and build a product and really like grow the audience, the audience will come. We now just think the the cycle of people will for sure buying the product, which is gamer. Yes, they will buy the next game because they, they're used to it. But how about growing your market share? And that's, that's my opinion.
2: Yeah, I would just piggyback on what Hugh said. I do feel as though there's not a lot of female content out there geared towards the female audience. I mean, that's half the population itself that you're not looking at when creating, you know, VR films or VR games. You know, a lot of, you know, women do like certain games like Beat Saber and things like that. But I think there's just a huge market that's being overlooked at the early stages. But I think more and more women. I've seen a lot today at this event that are involved in like Horizon Worlds and things like that. It's so exciting to see as a female in this space. When I create films, I don't really come at it from a female perspective. What will inspire just anyone really what will talk to the human experience bringing more of a human experience to this tech to me it's not all about the tech it's about the story utilizing the tech to tell a captivating story that's first thought in my mind when approaching vr
1: uh just last question so as also the concept confusion here 360 video which is youtube vr is a three dop experience it's passive this is what i'm being known for because i review a lot of 360 camera but what we do in the creative side we double between vr 180 360 3d 360 and six degree of freedom which is volumetric capture video so we have all this format i mean tech is just a tool for us to tell a story when we tell a story, we combine multiple technologies. We use photogrammetry, volumetric capture, AI, all this to create a interactive, immersive experience, not just watching a passive film, but we interact with our audience. We create stuff that in next obviously we can budget, huge budget as well. But but we always try to also break the boundary. So that comment about, oh, it's not interactive, it's passive, it's not true for our world. It's a very limited mindset of what we do as a creator, as a storyteller. So I think that if we have the resources to build, I think we can build something amazing to unlock an entire audience for the XR community.
0: Yeah, I'd love to dial back a little bit of the economics of like funding and financing, and also distribution, because with film, it's a pretty mature medium. As you have like over a hundred years of film as it's been around, and you have these platforms where you start with movies, and people go pay for movies, and then eventually you have things like Netflix. But Netflix only exists after things have had like a business model to generate and fund things. And so one of the things that Danielle Giro of Estrella, which is part of Atlas Five. She said that you know they are trying to create an ecosystem of distribution for these immersive stories that they've been creating. A lot of them are interactive, but meta in some sense of going to the MetaQuest TV, everything being free, it creates this expectation that if you want a story, it should be free. But if you want something interactive, then you pay for it. But it's created this lack of funding for folks to get into this. To be able to actually produce things, because there's no viable distribution. YouTube monetization doesn't seem like the 360 video is going to be very much good of return for of investment of whatever it takes to produce it. And then you have whatever's happening with Meta. Maybe they, they had a, a phase where they were funding content, but from my understanding, it seems like they've cut back. So yeah, I'd love to hear like a little bit of reflection of like how you've been able to kind of make it as an independent producer of 360 videos when the financing of everything is so fraught.
1: So for first, I try to dodge a bullet because a lot of things probably meta is under NDA. So I just like, don't touch on just focus on meta. And then for the distribution, like for the financing model, I can tell you from my channel, I'm a creator primarily on YouTube VR. That's all my viewership come from. And then when I build an audience, I move them to meta because that is higher quality to watch the content. So my fan will usually discover my content through YouTube VR and then move to MetaQuest, then watch the same piece of content with higher quality cash download in AK. So I can tell you why right now, as a creator on YouTube, you definitely can make money. I mean, I don't want to like, tell you number, but we do make revenue on 360 video, just passive 360, 360 video, a good one, not a bad one. I released a lot of bad ones as well. And I can tell you the number is different. The good one does make money, but i tell you, any creator, YouTube creator at least, they don't make money from app revenue. They make money from brand sponsorship, 100% of them. That money is all come from brand. That's same as us. If you can tell a great story, VR or not, you got a brand behind it, you can make money. Like you don't need Meta to pay you. You can have other brand that is not Meta but want to be on Meta to pay you, to be on that platform. It's like. On meta end, meta side obviously like there's a lot more homework you need to do. They need to build a subscription system. They need to build a suggestion system for content to go into your feed or when you put the headset on. The feed right now is Instagram, game, 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 game. YouTube VR, MetaQuest TV. <laughs> Literally like that. And then game, 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 game. And then your Instagram feed. So it's not because of it's a niche market. It's the platform make it as a niche market, so people will not discover stuff. It's all about discovery, like a TikTok algorithm, all discovery by a platform, platform-driven. So if the platform doesn't put algorithm favor for us, yeah, we will suffer, and then in all manner. So distribution is kind of a thing that like, you know, I catch 22, I mean, it's, yeah, it's different platform, but again, like people can change that if they wanna change that.
2: I would also add that a lot of our friends have had success showcasing their work in places like museums or selling tickets to a theater experience that they set up to showcase their work. So, I do recommend that. I think that would be a really great way to generate revenue. You know, if you have an investor that's really interested in revenue, which is kind of tough right now in the ecosystem, I think that will change though in the future. My hope is that it will change for the creators, at least with Meta, you know, and I think. A lot of innovations going to happen when Apple comes in with their new headset. Everyone's going to innovate. Having competitors in the market is always great for innovation and new ways of thinking of distribution, I think will be really phenomenal for the creators. So I'm really excited about that aspect coming in. But like I said, having those ticket sales, you're kind of taking out the platform itself, utilizing their headsets in person, and you get that instant feedback from the audience, what they think about your film. That's really rewarding as well. So I really recommend that.
0: Yeah, and I've actually watched a number of your videos as I was in the process of considering potentially buying a 360 video camera. And it was like, it was sort of like this process of trying to figure out what's my use case what are the trade-offs do i want something to scan a room for real estate as a different use case than say you know having something that is portable and i can shoot video on the fly or i want to have a high enough resolution of a scan to do some sort of like photogrammetry or whatnot or now there's these whole new techniques of gaussian splatting to do these new volumetric completely new innovative render pipelines that are going to be a part of these different cameras. And so I'd love to hear how you start to think about the ecosystem of the different options and cameras that are out there, and which ones you like to use for different contexts.
1: So that can be an all-day interview. I'll try to cut it short, like like I'm in all that space, like Luma AI, Nerf, Glassian, Splat. And all the stuff. It's exciting to be a co- immersive content creator with so many tools. Like lots of tools, AI too is free. You don't need a 2C camera to start making 360 video. You can use your iPhone, the light down, start scanning the environment. You can bring it in. You can get photo real quality within seconds. Like the new Nvidia AI coming in, even crazier. Which I can't talk too much. Uh, so it's coming, and as a creator, is we really, really spoil to be like surrounding by new tech to tell story that our ancestors or even our parents would not even imagine. So I would think that do your research, figure out what kind of creator are you? That like if you're a tech-driven, you can figure out how to code. I think you should research in AI, research a generated video, which is possible. Nerve is a great way to go. Glasses and Splat is a really great way to go. Do that research you can get a consumer to see the camera like this like the Insta, like the GoPro like get one of those and start to just go on a trip, just film it, just for fun, like post it on the show show, post it on YouTube VR and just see the reaction, see you can build an audience. At the end of the day it's all about your story what you're trying to tell. You have a great story to tell, like climate change for example, like, like something like Big Topic you want to invest, you want to get investor, you want to get brand endorsement, you want to Make the content look great you want to invest in a professional camera which is not gonna be cheap gonna be canon r with the dual fisheye lens in cinema camera but every filmmaker this is no news for filmmakers they need great camera like re Alexa to make a good piece of content but they start with their gopro same idea so start cheap start free like there's so many ai tools you can do it for free and then after you graduate from free get a cheap consumer camera film it for one year And then when you land it your first client, then invest in the camera. And my theory is, always rent, don't buy. You don't own stuff, just rent it. You can rent VR camera easy on lens rental, not sponsored by them, but you can rent camera from anywhere, from your friends. If you can, do that before you really invest in the piece of camera. If you invest, make sure you can make money out of it.
0: You held up a 360 camera here with the little pole that says Insta 360. What's this camera?
1: This is actually the post from Insta 360. The camera is a CoolCam 3, the brand new CoolCam 3 from Kandao. It just released literally last week. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a fun little camera. It's, it's very cheap. It's like the most affordable 360 camera can shoot like 6K 30 frame. So I'm just testing it out. What's the price of it? It's 349. Yeah. So but than the X3. Okay.
0: Yeah, I know Insta360, you know, when it's a CES in 2017, they had a lot of different cameras. They seem like a pretty big player in the space.
1: Invest, I mean, action camera, I will start with Insta and then GoPro because Insta is mature. It's post-production. That is what costs you money, not the camera. So you want to save money, Insta have a really robust Post-production pipeline, you can cut it on the phone. As a creator nowadays, social media creator, you can literally cut an 866 film on the phone. It's possible. So I would start from there, but don't stop there. Gain the knowledge, and then invest in a heavy rate camera. Meta would not allow you to submit anything shot <laughs> on the Insta. Let's be period. You want to release on Meta platform, you better have a high-quality camera.
0: Right. And how about you in terms of the d- different cameras that you like? Are there things that you like to use personally, or things you like professionally?
2: i love the canon r5c with the canon dual fish islands it's just been such a game changer for us internally working with this new camera setup it's just so much easier to shoot this VR 180 content shooting 180 as well is really nice because you can be behind the camera while you're directing you don't have to hide (laughs) like we used to hide with the 360 cameras and things like that is you feel really silly if you feel like you're playing hide-and-go-seek whatever but with VR 180 it's really fun to be behind the camera watch the action transpire you can even move the 180 camera a little bit easier than a 360 camera So that's really nice. I still really do love 360, creating 360 content. But as far as meta goes, they really do prefer the 180 3D format, so that's always a good bet to go with if you're going to create for Meta as a platform. I would say YouTube loves 360, (laughs) what we can tell, so it really depends on what platform you're posting your content to, but I love the Canon Dual Fish Islands and they're always super helpful at Canon with any questions we have.
0: Yeah, I just watched the David Nattenborough's Conquest of the Skies and did an uh, interview with Louis Ball at uh, Venice Immersive. And yeah, just last year at Venice Immersive, there was actually The Man Who Couldn't Leave, which was a 360 video that was produced out of Taiwan and post-production by Phonique. And yeah, just the types of 360 videos that are coming out of Taiwan, I'm, I think they're taking things to the next level.
1: Uh, Phonique actually disappeared. Taiwan, the whole community been disappeared for the last year. We don't know where they go. Yeah, I actually really wish they'd come back Like, they never share their camera tech, right, or how they do it. I can tell you why now, it's using Bean Splitter, like, really old-school Hollywood way, very expensive way to capture 3D in that level. But the problem is, like, as you said, like, immersive studio come and go because of financing. So that's why I said that to make this whole space survive, we need to go the influencer route, the social media route, small, limbo, affordable production, to focus on story instead of camera. My whole point is: yes, you can have a great camera, great team, the one like Venice, and then you'll never be heard of again. Even you run Emmy, even if you won like big festival. I mean, this <laughs> it doesn't mean anything in this world. But if you like make a consistent, serialized content that people will come back for it, you build yourself a niche, a great audience, and then you can push out your story in a higher content. So focus on your story, your audience. Building that instead of wasting money on the higher end camera or even film festival promotion, I think is a better route to go.
0: Yeah, there are folks like Felix and Paul who've made a whole career in 360 video, and maybe the exception of the rule of maybe having funding or support or just the level of quality, then being at the right place and in the
1: condition. time. <laughs> you need a lot of connection. We actually talked to Paul yesterday. So they make great content. The thing is, y- yes. I mean, that's more her horrible. That's why she should probably answer that in the filmmaker. Actually, I let you answer that, because that is your worry. Spend a like month to make a piece of one content.
2: It all depends on your budget. 360 will blow your budget, depending on what you're creating, whether it's a documentary style or a more cinematic style. 360 will blow your budget, and then Forget about moving the camera unless you have a lot of money to move it. I would recommend if you are moving the camera use like a rover or something like that and then you have to paint it out and post. I mean post is so expensive when working in 360. I love 360 and it's really fun as a director or or a writer for 360 because you can have multiple different storylines happening around the camera, basically. So there's a storyline A happening in front of camera, storyline B happening on the side, and it's kind of fun if you find those Easter eggs or gold nuggets, but to me, I, right now, we're traveling all the time. And when we're traveling, we want to make something that's easier to edit and post. Because you know, when you get into VFX and VR and you're shooting in 3D, it just gets really complicated really fast. Unless you have a really good budget, a really great team that can help you with the editing process, I would recommend not getting bogged down at the beginning of your VR career with the editing process, because it can be really time consuming. It can consume a lot of data. Data is a huge thing in VR, especially VR 360, terabytes and terabytes and terabytes of footage. And then you have to back that footage up or else you are at risk for losing your data. So it's a whole process. I do recommend starting out with a consumer level 360 camera if you want to try that route and then when you have the amazing budget going into 360 with that budget is really fun and maybe doing a mono with wedges or whatever with the Venice too yeah. and things well, like that
1: yeah I think that's how I tell creative which is not filmmakers it's just like programming. It's actually like building Horizon World. You don't need to learn anything about coding. You can start just using primitive model to build in Horizon World. And you can build your world in one day, literally, right? And learn Unity. You can build your own player, own game in one day. Unreal as well, right? But after that, you can get really in-depth. Like, you can build crazy world with Unreal. Like, spend month to month. Same as... VR filmmaking, same as our medium. You can make videos so easy with this camera in instantly, literally like five minutes. But if you want to make a good film, it got to take you a month to do that and a team to do it. It's the same idea. Like, yeah, good piece of coin, like Felix and Paul is amazing, but how long take them to make it? And well, I have the insight, it is insane. And they also get grant from their government. So really, the, well down to the idea, the idea and the story. You have a great story, you can tell the story with your mouth to an investors and sell them your idea. That is a great idea. And that you will get the thing you need, the team, the money, the resources from Meta, from YouTube, from whatnot to build your dream. It's just like any business. Making a film like anything else, it is a business. And I
2: would say, I would add, don't get so hyped up into the clout of film festivals. They will take your money, and you might not even publish your film, and it will be in the film circuit forever. Uh, You know, I I recommend sharing your film with the world and and getting feedback from the get-go so you know what works and what doesn't work, and then when the time comes, you really are proud of a project – Submit it to a film festival and get their feedback. It's so rewarding. But the whole point of making these VR films is so that way you can share these stories with your audience and that's so important. And you know, some of these films that I've heard in the past, I've never even seen them and it's so sad because I know they're beautiful, beautiful pieces, but they get wrapped up in these film festivals and then they don't see the light of day. But you know, don't get wrapped up in the cloud, I recommend as a starting out VR filmmaker.
1: Yeah, Laurel will not build your audience. Wall will not build your audience. Good story, consistently in a serialized style, build your audience. Look at the Netflix. It's not just one-off movie show. It's it's a serialized content. So, I agree with her, like, film festival is great, but it's only one way to get you be discovered. There's so many other ways.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the whole social media aspect. And Felix and Paul, with the Space Explorers, we're doing this for 360 video, but they're going to have other formats and other media like videos and films and stuff that they've been able to shoot and translate it. And the NC360, what I find actually, I see a lot more footage of folks who are shooting on a 360 camera, but they're exporting and maybe doing a, a wraparound and then having all these different unique views that you could only get if you had shooting all 360 video all around. And that was one of the things that Paul Raphael told me uh, is that, you know, with Space Explorers, there's certain shots they got that, you know, now they can sort of get a very specific specific framing and a 2D translation of some of this stuff. And so that's a thing that I also see is leaning on what you said in terms of the influencer pipeline. But I that
1: opinion on that. Yeah, what's that? So, so again, this concept is no news, right? In the broadcast uh, from the broadcast background, it's just an area of interest. Basically, you capture in full 8K in a big stadium, and you pick area of interest in 4K for a recap of a special moment. So we use it in broadcast time in years. So Insta, as a marketing company, love to say that that 360 camera captured in full AK k but you only extract we frame 1080p to your phone on your TikTok or Instagram reel. And then GoPro attack on it, and now this whole space become using an immersive camera to tell 2D story. That's a limited mindset, which is I have a strong opinion of it. If you invest into a 360 camera, try to tell story in an immersive way. We listen a matter truly immersive. It is a limited mindset to chasing for view, like yes, you get view, you get like get a tiny planet view or waveframe frame and whatnot look cool. Like thanks to GoPro, right? Somebody jump off the plane, but those are not innovative. That's just using innovative tool to do a limited thing. Not attack to that great creator, create great, great stuff on that. But I just for everybody else, at least keep immersive content try. At least keep this camera meant to be a try to see if you like it or not.
0: And finally, what do you each think is the ultimate potential of virtual reality, 360 video, immersive storytelling might be, and what it might be able to enable?
2: Oh, I would say that once the form factor is smaller and smaller, with this new release at Meta Connect, we saw the Meta Quest 3, the form factor is getting smaller. You see the Ray-Bans coming out with all this crazy new tech I think that when they combine the two, MetaQuest with the Ray-Bans, you'll see a major adaption happening, and we see that coming in with Apple. I think there's gonna be a huge adaption there because with all the Apple accessories, you'll be able to utilize your accessories with your glasses as well. So I just see this VR space growing in the future. And if you look at the market share right now, it's just on a J curve. There's so much money in this space and it's only growing more and more every single year. So it's a really exciting time to become a creator in this space. You will stand out from the crowd and it's only gonna grow more and more. So get in while it's hot.
1: Yeah, I agree, like like have an open mindset. Learn new technology coming in the way. Always researching. Immersive space is growing really fast. It's a good time to get in. Why not? It's still early adapter. Most people are pioneer, but it's not gonna last any longer. Like like the first original YouTuber become YouTuber, like because they don't care about people laughing at them. They put themselves out. You just need to put themselves out. Put yourself out as a storyteller.
0: Right, sir. Anything else that's left unsaid that you like to say to the broader immersive community?
2: Just create. Have fun with it. Don't hold it too close to your chest and not release it. Share your stories, get the feedback, and then build something amazing and continue that cycle.
1: Yeah, Sam, Like, if you have an idea, make it. Doesn't care about money, camera, or people think about that. It's, it's just do stuff that makes you feel good. Tell the story, see how people react, and then keep doing it. You need practice to get better. And the best way to do it is to start telling the story.
0: Awesome. Well, definitely appreciate taking the time to unpack a little bit more of the journey and the broader ecosystem context. And you know, you're really in the right place at the right time to be able to use your technology skills and storytelling skills, to be able to travel around the world to all these exotic places, to help capture them and to share these spaces with folks, and to help connect to them with the stories that you're telling. So thanks again for taking the time to share a bit of your own story.
2: Yeah, thank you so much, Kent, for reaching out and interviewing us today. It's so much fun.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, we have fun. I know it's a little bit rambling. We could not prepare, but hopefully we will actually give some value to your audience. And hopefully they will convert them to try at least immersive media.
0: For sure. And I highly recommend your YouTube channel with lots of different tutorial videos and all the different trade-offs that I'd mentioned. I think you've probably got a video of every iteration of new camera that's come out in the last like nine or 10 years. So definitely covering the space really comprehensively and appreciate that work, but also these other stories that you're telling as well. So thank yeah, thank you think again.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Bye. <laughs>
0: So thanks again for tuning in to one of my dozen episodes about MetaConnect. There's lots that I've been unpacking throughout the course of the series. And I'm going to invite folks over to patreon.com to be able to join in to support my work that I've been doing here as an independent journalist trying to sustain this work. Realistically, I need to be at around $4,000 a month to be at a level of financial stability. I'm at around 30% of that goal. So I'd love for folks to be able to join in. And I'm hoping to expand out different offerings and events over the next year starting with more unpacking of my coverage from Venice Immersive, where I've just posted 34 different interviews from over 30 hours of coverage. And I've already given a talk this week unpacking a little bit more, my ideas about experiential design and immersive storytelling. And yeah, I feel like there's a need for independent journalism and independent research and just the type of coverage that I'm able to do. And if you're able to join in on the Patreon, $5 a month is a great level to be able to help support and sustain it. But if you can afford more, then... 10, 20, 50, or even $100 a month are all great levels as well and will help me to continue to bring not only you this coverage, but also the broader XR industry. I now have transcripts on all the different interviews on the podcast on Voices of VR and in the process of adding categories as well into 1,317 interviews now that have been published after this series is concluded. So, yeah. Join me over on Patreon and we can start to explore the many different potentialities of virtual and augmented and mixed reality at patreon.com slash voice of VR. Thanks for listening.